Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. This is movie news number 85. Let's break down Netflix's password fiasco, the latest box office numbers, the DCU news, and so much more. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. It is great to be here discussing the movie news, the episode where we go over the entire week's news of film and TV. So you don't have to. You can just tune into the show and we keep you up to speed with what's going on. Let's get into it. There's so much to break down this week. There's lots of stuff happening. Let's talk about the box office first. We finally have a change. We finally not Avatar 2 anymore. (laughs) It is Knock at the Cabin which pulled in $14 million at the box office. This is the latest film from M. Night Shyamalan. And we're going to probably... It's Shyamalan. 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 I'm sorry, Shyamalan. <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan. And we're going to probably go see it very soon and maybe do an episode in a couple of weeks. It should be a blast. We're hearing lots of mixed reviews. Some people are loving it. Some people are not liking it so much, but that's an M. Night movie. Isn't that the case for all of them? Yeah, so that's <laughs> kind of what you want from a lot of filmmakers. Yeah. 80 for Brady's in second place. $13 million at the box office. Anthony called it. I didn't I think said that it. people would show up for this movie, but my goodness. I guessed, I guessed did I say $15 million last like week? That. Yeah, I was right on the money no, almost. No, you said a billion. <laughs> <laughs> you said a billion or bust. <laughs> I told you, the older crowd comes out. This The audience of 80 for Brady, 69% of the audience were people over the age of 55. Wow. So they... Older people still turn out to the theaters. It's actually a good sign that older people feel comfortable going to theaters again, which I think is great. They are actually a very underrated part of the audiences for box offices. So it's a very important crowd for movies to make money. And this is obviously Tom Brady, the GOAT's first foray into film producing, and it was a roaring success. So congrats on the GOAT for winning something again just all he does is win <laughs> plus the cast is so stacked for yeah. all of these legendary, Four Oscar winners. legendary actresses yeah. so obviously they're going to turn out for them which is really terrific plus everyone loves Brady well not everyone but a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people like the guy yeah a lot of people respect him but they'll love him yeah you know a lot of people hate his guts and that film has a 25 million dollar budget it was originally it's a Paramount production and release it was originally supposed to come out on Paramount Plus but the CEO of the head of uh, film in development for Paramount Smile also, this is the case, they were, Smile and 80 for Brady were supposed to come out digitally on VOD only on Paramount Plus, but the the president decided, hey, let's do these in theaters. Obviously, Smile made over 200 mil, huge success, and then this also, great decision, 80 for Brady is going to end up making at least 50 mil just from the box office run, so really smart choice to go out of the streaming only and to change it to theatrical releases. Whose idea was that? To just go VOD, <laughs> get out of here. Times are back to normal. We're, we're we're going to the theaters again, baby. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Number, thir- number three at the box office was Avatar, The Way of Water, pulled in another $10 million. I got to say, it's nice not to open the episode saying that Avatar, Avatar. was number one at the box office. <laughs> I'm really, I was getting bored. The Chosen Season 3, this movie, this series makes a ton of money, $8 million at the box office. And then BTS made $7 million at the box office. Yeah, so they had a concert movie. Uh, then that's very successful for, I mean, a concert movie to make $7 mil. And The Chosen, yeah, each one of those seasons that they've shown in theaters, they've all made close to $10 mil for opening weekends. And then I think they all make about $20, $25 million each. So very successful. I wouldn't say they're, they're a movie, but I think it's what, a miniseries? And Not it's sure. like three or three or four, three episodes they put together, maybe. And so, yeah. Interesting box office this week. This week, it's nice to have it a fresh, 
uh, slate of films to be above Avatar, finally. I would love to next get into this fiasco with Netflix, who for years have been trying to figure out how to limit access to users' accounts with uh, trying to refuse password sharing, trying to limit the amount of uh, video screens that your password or account can be used on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And so about a few days ago, and I'm they, sorry, I'm just to, before there, I've read that their big thing is to outside households using the same account. So one household that I think they're, they're okay with like a household with multiple screens. Yeah, But I mean, like someone's like watching at home then watching at the office, yeah, you know, yeah. their same account, but yeah. also sharing your password with other people. Yeah. Sharing the password with accounts that aren't in your household. Exactly. Yeah. So they just want it to be like for one screen or one home or mm-hmm. one Wi-Fi uh, oh. so, so let me get to that. Oh. So what they were going to do, they started to roll this out a few days ago. They announced that they're going to end password sharing. And in order to maintain your account and prevent from being blocked, you'll have to log in from your main Wi-Fi source every 30 days. And if you can't, your account will be blocked. So like if you're traveling for work and you can't make it home to your Wi-Fi source to log into Netflix, then they're going to block your account. And so this took the internet by storm. People were going, this is ridiculous. How could you possibly do this? The dumbest idea ever. I know, um, uh, what's her name? The uh, the pop star Phineas, the 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 producer. Oh yeah, Billy Eilish's brother. Yeah, so yeah. I guess he made like a, a super viral tweet saying like this is it's terrible news. Like I'm a, I travel for work. Not that he has to like. Not that he's like. I'm can't sorry, afford you have it. to pay eight dollars a month, Phineas. <laughs> Must be tough. Must be tough to pay an extra eight a month. Sorry, guy. No offense, but I guess the music industry is not sure, really that I'm lucrative. I'm sure you can afford it, Phineas. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of us Joe Schmoes, it's kind of an issue. <laughs> like, I might not be able to fill my gas. I am a normal human just like you. <laughs> oh, man, I have to pay $8 a month. Oh, shocking. I mean, <laughs> on my, I'm on my private jet and I can't log into my Netflix account. <laughs> I can't up the membership. I can't afford God this. God damn it. Do you know who I am? <laughs> Premium membership. Anyways, for this tweet. <laughs> He's so relatable. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking celebrities, man. <laughs> the super rich are funny people. But the, um, the point is, this upset a lot of people on the internet. This tweet went super viral, as well as many others people lashing out against netflix and then they announced yesterday that it was an error and it was an accident someone like pushed like released this tweet by accident it wasn't supposed to be released so i think they gauged the reaction to the public in the shitstorm they brewed up with this and were like oh no we were that was not what we meant to do that was an accident jason everybody. sent that by accident jason, jason is now fired <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what he was doing phineas gets netflix for life <laughs> jason has been fired <laughs> we had no idea that tweet went out <laughs> so yeah, but that's a terrible obviously they they're just trying to act like it's they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Well, it's not that they did didn't. It's not that no, they did anything. But wrong. backtrack like they didn't intend to do that. But sometimes it's, it's great to see like the little man get like a fist up on the corporation. Like, oh yeah, we yeah. got it. We got him, guys. We got him. It's just a, that was a terrible approach because what if you forget to change? What if you forget to log in with your Wi-Fi? Maybe you didn't get the email alert that they probably send you. 
and then you're blocked out of your account. Well, I'm sure, like while you're watching, it's like please log into Netflix. I suppose so. Yeah, I suppose so. But I mean, that's just silly to. I mean, that you're, they're asking for too many steps. How is Phineas supposed to maintain his Netflix watch list if he gets blocked? He out cannot of his up his membership. He can't. God forbid he uses a hotspot. <laughs> Sorry, we're roasting Phineas so hard right now. Phineas is a very talented he's guy. He's super talented. Yeah. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but this is just funny. <laughs> but I think that was a celebrities complaining yeah. about eight dollars just cracks me up. <laughs> but it's a terrible idea by Netflix to approach it that way. So. I understand. I understand that they that Netflix doesn't want a person with a Netflix account to share their password with twenty other people. I understand that. That makes sense. So I understand that they want to try and crack down on that. It makes. I mean, I'm I'm for that. You know, it's, they're running a business. Obviously, they're a super business, but still, you know, it's it's they don't want to give away their content for free. So it's understandable. But they need to approach it in a different way than that. For sure. Sorry, Phineas. All right, let's get into <laughs> what I'm uh, excited about for the news this week was the Super Bowl Sunday trailers. Were, a list was released of all the films that will have trailers premiering during Super Bowl Sunday. Now, these are obviously huge ad spots. They probably cost about a million to $2 million each just to get the minute-long ad. Sometimes the 30 seconds, sometimes they're a minute long. So Super Bowl ads are very expensive. So the studios are investing quite a lot of money just to play these during Super Bowl Sunday. So let's look into the list of Super Bowl Sunday trailers that we have in the slate. We have Fast X, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, The Flash, Super Mario Bros., The Little Mermaid, Scream 6, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, Transformers, Rise of the Beasts, Pixar's Elemental, and it's rumored that we'll also have Indy 5, The Marvel's John Wick 4, and Creed 3. Now, there's a couple of these I'm very excited about. I'm very, very curious about The Flash. We haven't seen any footage except for just that little tiny teaser. Andy Muschietti is a very talented director, and James Gunn recently said that it's one of the best superhero films he's ever seen. Of course, he's going to say just that, ta- Is he just talking it up, or is he being honest? I think that it has a lot going for it, even with all the controversy around Ezra Miller. They have a very talented cast and crew working on this film. And I think I have high hopes for it. And it could be a way for DC to really reset in a big way. So I'm very curious to see the first full trailer of that film. I'm surprised you didn't say Fast X, fam. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't seen the last seven. Can I so. correct you on something? Sure. So oh, the price? Those, it's upwards of $7 million. Whoa. That's how much they pay nowadays. For a minute? For 30, se- 30 seconds to a minute, depending on the wow. time, the placement of the wow. ad. That's crazy. So that's so how much a huge investment for these ads. Yeah. It's, it's, it's absurd. And uh, I'm also very, I'm excited to see the Little Mermaid trailer. All we've seen is just, again, a little tiny tease. We haven't seen anything really from that film. Looking up to the ocean surface. Exactly, yes. (laughs) 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 What James said. So I'm really curious to see the footage from that film as well. And Pixar's Elemental obviously will be a big hit. All the Marvel movies, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, I think... For me, Ant-Man the Wasp needs a, a really good trailer to get me excited, super excited for well, the Well, the film. problem with the ones that they've been releasing that I've already seen, especially with the Ant-Man the Wasp trailer and then another, I think, Marvel project trailer, is I've, I feel like I watched the whole movie when I saw the trailer. 
I feel <laughs> this is a coffee. I, it, I know what you mean. Like that, it, it looks like they have the Kang and Ant Man fight is the finale of the movie, but they showed it in the film. Trailer. I feel like I've seen the movie. Yeah, I feel like these trailers are giving away too much information. Did you see the the Disney change? No. So in the in the initial trailer, Paul Rudd's covered in blood. His face is all bloodied from fighting Kang, obviously. And it's actually like I remember seeing the trailer. That's what I liked most about the trailer, like how bloody he got. And there's a cool POV shot where he like kicks him in the face. Yeah, it's through the mask. Exactly. Disney did a new cut of the trailer, digitally get rid of, getting rid of the, the blood on Paul Rudd's face. Can't have that. <laughs> so there's actually a new edit where he doesn't have blood on his face. But I just feel like when I watch some of these big budget trailers nowadays, I think especially with Marvel, I feel like I've already watched the film. I feel like I've watched it and I don't even have to see it. Yeah, like, because Ant-Man says that line, I don't have to win, we both just have to lose. Is that, like, the end of the movie? Is that the finale? Is I, that the climax? I feel like this movie, the stakes, they're trying to play it off as, like, it's, like, as big as Avengers. Like, yeah. it's that kind of a scope of a film. But I feel like the excitement's not quite there because this these trailers are just giving away every bit of information and... It doesn't even feel like an Ant-Man movie at this point, even though, like I just said, it's supposed to be kind of an Avengers-level film, but it just doesn't quite feel like something that's... I'm going to have like a, a unique experience watching it because I've, I feel like I've seen the whole movie already. Yeah, I agree. And it looks... And you can you can contrast that with the Guardians 3 trailer, which they didn't... They showed just a supercut. They didn't give anything away. I don't know. I have no idea what that movie's about. And it looks like they cut that one much better than the Ant-Man one, where it's like, I feel like I know the climax of Ant-Man and the Wasp, whereas Guardians, all I know is that there's a bunch of awesome characters in it. It looks like it's going to be a fun, emotional ride. So they did a, the, the Guardians trailer is a much better version of that. I'm also not sold on the Dungeons & Dragons How Honor Among Thieves trailer. That one just, it just seems kind of like a generic action fantasy movie, and, and plus, like, they just copied Marvel with the classic rock song in the background, <laughs> yeah. Led Zeppelin, and it's just like, is, is this Thor? Is this Thor <laughs> Ragnarok? <laughs> Even the ending shot of the trailer is Thor Ragnarok. So ending. that one I'm not sold on. I'm not, I'm not sold on that film. I mean, not Ragnarok, the last Thor, Love and Thunder trailer. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but like a combination of both. But also, possibly we could get an Indy 5 trailer, which I'm super excited about. The Marvels, it'd be really interesting to get a look at that film, which they've been in, in production of. John Wick 4, they've already released a, a couple great trailers. trailers yeah. There's a great one that we See, saw the in John theaters. Wick 4 trailer is a perfect trailer, I in, think. In theaters, it looked excellent. It's a, it's a perfect trailer. It didn't give anything away. And then Creed 3, I would love to get another trailer for that. That'd be really cool. So what do you? are you curious about The Flash? Are you excited for it? I'm excited. The I, mean, I wouldn't say... I gotta see the trailer. I'm I'm curious, but because of everything that's gone on in the last two years, that DC and even with the announcement of the DCU going forward, I'm still like I'm still not sold on this entire studio going forward with their projects. I feel like after I see like a full trailer for the Flash, then I'll be like, okay, Michael Keaton is Batman. Let's fucking go. Yeah, that's Fuck what I, it. Think. <laughs> I think like I think it's gonna be. I think it could be special, honestly. It with, could, with, especially with Keaton back. Also, it'll be. Really interesting to see a full Scream 6 trailer, because I liked the teaser they released. Yeah, pretty solid. All right, how about we'll get into... <laughs> the new segment. The origin stories of the week. We, we, had, so a we, we had a bit of a drought yeah, in January, it like but it is... In a row. Origins are back with a vengeance, and yeah, they're back stronger back, than ever. Baby. The first origin story of this week is Young Dexter, <laughs> a series at Showtime. <laughs> Dexter's origins... Even though they already did it in the show with flashbacks it was every already done. episode, constant <laughs> constant flashbacks with him and his father growing up, learning how to become a serial so killer. So much origins in this show. There's the sh so the much. The show is practically an origin story. <laughs> We're going to go back even further. 
So the first time he held a knife. <laughs> Which I, think it, they, I think they did that. This in the show. conception in his mother's stomach. They did the origin story in the fucking show. They did it. They show him as a little kid getting older and older. And, and James older. Ramar played his father, teaching him yeah, the ropes of how to hunt, how to kill, like how to tr- it, cover yeah, your traces. Yeah, it's, they did like so much of the show of Dexter already went over the origins of Dexter. The fuck are they gonna do? Just that, but a show. What, what, like, what more can you tell? Just, I, just gonna make a, like a teenage serial killer, but he's gonna be like super, like a hero. <laughs> he's gonna be a good guy. Well, I mean, he is a good guy in a way. He's an anti-hero. I think my my theory is that Showtime is desperate for something. Yeah, they are. They're like, we need something. <laughs> Let's. Go. They have been milking Dexter for years now with yeah. that other the finale final season that they just They're, came out yeah, with the re, yeah the sequel series the legacy like, yeah. finale. So like, it was like an epilogue for a season. Goodness yeah. gracious, leave Dexter alone. But there's another origin story we got to get into. Oh, yeah. The Terminal List on Amazon Prime, which we loved. And it was Chris Pratt's show was really a breath of fresh air of just seeing a hard-nosed action thriller. Super fun show. So Chris Pratt, his character, is already getting a sequel series. So because the show did really well. Excellent stellar numbers. Very surprising hit for Amazon Prime. Kick-ass show. Yeah, they renewed it for a second season, which I expected. But they're also making an origin series with Taylor Kish's character, Ben Edwards. So Ben Edwards is the best friend. And we won't get into spoilers, but it's very. it was a very interesting character in the season. And since fans, I guess, liked it and the show was so successful, they're like, we're not just going to do a sequel. We're going to do an origin. Prequel. So it's a prequel series about Ben Edwards, which, I mean, if you've seen the season, it kind of doesn't make that much sense. But also, these corporations, as soon as they get a hit, they're going to milk the yeah out of it, man. I mean, I, I, I thought the show ended really well, and I had no interest in seeing... Taylor Kish's character's backstory like that's the last thing I thought of when the when the show was over I was like I, I hope they make a second season is what I thought and they Which are I can't wait yeah, for. yeah and they are because I think they can just really improve upon it because it, this this basically was like the first story for for the character and now that like basically his origin in a way is is done through the season now it's just going to be full tilt action for the second season which I'm really excited about so a completely unnecessary prequel series for, for a show I like and really I really enjoyed. I don't even want to see the origins. Like, why? Anyways. <laughs> origins. That's not it, though. <laughs> Do we have another origin Oh, story? no, that is it. Oh, right, sorry. That's, yeah, yeah, that's it. So we got two big ones. Yeah. But next week, oh, I want to go over Fast X in, like, the tagline for this show, of this movie. <laughs> the end of the road. Is that what it's called? Or that's the t- No, it's just called Fast X. Fast X, but it's, like, the end of the journey to get to the end of the road. Something like that. Tagline. Something like that. So it's like the beginning of the end. Like it's. Is it gonna actually end? I don't think so. No, they keep making a lot of money. So it made the last one made seven hundred fifty million. So they're extremely, extremely profitable. And you know they're gonna do a spinoff eventually. Toretto's son's gonna have a movie franchise. So this is very far from the end of the Fast franchise. Toretto, Grandpa. Get off my lawn. <laughs> Get off my charger. <laughs> All right. We did an episode breaking down our reaction to the DCU news this past week on, what was it, like Tuesday or something like that. But how about we just run through it real quick? And this is all the information that was released from James Gunn and Peter Safran and all the projects going forward at the DCU, which is what they're calling it now. So obviously the Shazam, The Flash, Blue Beetle, Aquaman 2, 
they're all done. They're all getting released, and those will be released as scheduled. Those are the next four projects. Yeah, released. all in the next uh, two years. All yeah, of them. and then also, you know, the Batman Part Two was announced, as well as Joker: Folia. Dude, those six projects were pretty much in the bag before this announcement this past week. And the Batman and Joker are part of the Elseworld part of the DCU, where they're not involved in the DCU storyline now. James Gunn announced a bunch of new pro- projects going forward to basically set up the DCU, starting with this chapter he calls Gods. I mean, Monsters and Gods. Really cool chapter, and this is going to encompass all of these projects. So we have Creature Commandos, which is a TV series, animated TV series, right? And then Waller, which is a TV series based It'll, off Amanda Waller. Creature Commandos will be both animated and live action. Superman Legacy, which James Gunn is writing. He also wrote all the episodes for Creature Commandos. Superman Legacy will basically kind of be like the new foundation of the DCU going forward. I'm sure everyone's just going to be talking about that for the next year. Who are they going to cast as Clark Kent, Kal-El, Superman? That's going to be the biggest news of the year as soon as that drops. Probably this year, I'm sure they'll cast Lanterns, which is going to be a TV series loosely based or inspired by True Detective with two Green Lanterns, the main ones, as well as a couple other ones peppered in there, here and there. Then we have The Authority, which kind of sounds like a bunch of anti-heroes like Guardians of the Galaxy, but the DC version kind of, I guess, a little bit. A little darker, too. A little darker. Paradise Lost, which is another TV series. The Brave and the Bold, which will introduce the Bat family into the DCU. So it would be cool to get Batman as well as little Robin, Little Robin Al Ghul and <laughs> the rest yes, of the Batman. Yeah, family. Damian Wayne. So he's Damian. Someone told me that Damian Wayne is the son of Bruce Wayne and Talia Al Ghul. Then we have Booster Gold, which is going to be kind of a, a mockumentary superhero based character where he, some guy in the future, a huge loser, wants to travel back in time to become a hero and uses technology from the future and the past to be a superhero. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow is going to be, obviously, a franchise going forward. And then Swamp Thing, which was rumored to be going to be directed by James Gold because as soon as Mangold. James... I mean, James Mangold. As soon as James Gunn announced all this information, James Mangold just tweeted a photo of the Swamp Thing. That's confirmed for sure, then. They just haven't announced and it. And that'll be based off Alan Moore's comic, The Swamp Thing, which is really cool. That's my... I'm. That's what I think is the most exciting project on this list. It's because to go into horror and creatures seems like so much fun. I also think it's really fantastic how Gunn and Safran are approaching this by using a lot of the lesser-known characters in the DC universe. I think that's a really smart approach to introduce new characters, not just to, not just to hit the famous ones, not just to do the greatest hits and just new interpretations of the same characters we've seen a dozen times, but get new blood in there. So I thought that's a really smart way to approach it for sure. They had so much success, or he had so much success with Guardians yeah. to prove that. However, you still need the big hits, and I like how they're saving Batman for like a little bit into this chapter, but they're going early with Superman because, you know, Superman is the sun that all superheroes orbit around the DC, so you need to have Superman early, which they did correctly with the DC with Man of Steel in 2013, but then just never made a sequel to it, which is just, what are we doing here? So this is a smart thing to do, I think, bringing Superman early of all the superheroes, giving him his first solo movie, Superman Legacy, big... I mean, I'm sure the journey of trying to find the actor to play Superman and Clark Kent is going to be tough, finding the right person, especially in today's social media climate. I say cast an unknown. Cast an unknown for Superman. Someone relatively unknown. Like yeah. Henry Cavill was relatively unknown. Yeah. He was in The Tudors. He was in, uh, what was that? Eternal, the Immortals. Immortals. So he's like around. You recognize him. He was but not like, a name. No one knew his knew. name yeah. in an everyday household, not like today. So I think that would be the best idea as well going forward. Yeah, I'd say cast an unknown. 
that would work best for such a when you have a famous character it's better to go with because you're bringing your uh, your experience with that actor into the role from as, as an audience member. You but know I think I mean? the plan's solid in terms of getting Superman in there, and then I think lanterns after Superman is a great idea because if they can la- if they can land lanterns, it just increases the exponential expansionality. What is that? Is that a word that I just invented? Not that I know of. They can expand the universe of DC going forward. Expand it exponentially? Expand it exponentially. I try to put those two words into one word. That Exponentiality. It's <laughs> <laughs> interesting. They'll just have so many more options going forward with the DCU. If they can get a successful Lantern show, because they the movie failed so much, but it introduces so much scope to the DCU if they can land it. And also... Based or inspired by True Detective season one, that sounds really interesting. If they can go that dark and and philosophical and make it that much of an interesting show, yeah. And it obviously they can do what Guardians did with Marvel and just expand the universe outside of just Earth. So I mean, Superman obviously does that, but everything we've seen with Superman so far in the films has taken place on Earth. So it'll be nice to leave the the atmosphere of this planet. Well, he's a baby on Krypton. And I I know that. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean. Okay, where where do all the DC movies take place for Superman? No, for Superman? Yeah. Well, I, I just said Man of Steel. That's no. it. <laughs> Get out of here. But I have high hopes for Swamp Thing. I think Swamp Thing sounds really cool. I mean, that sounds awesome. Let's talk about some other stuff, but remain in DC. So the Penguin series starts filming this month for HBO Max starring Colin Farrell. He was just doing some interviews, and this is a great quote from him, from Colin Farrell as Penguin. Oz. It's going to be an eight-part thing around Oz's rise to power, filling that power vacuum created when Falcone was killed. I'm sorry, they say Falcone in the movies. Falcone was killed. Matt's idea was to have the Penguin show begin about a week after the end of the Batman film. So I love the consistency of as soon as that movie ends, we pick up on Oz's storyline. We have that great shot of Oz in the sun sunrise watching the the flood, the template. I mean, yeah. the, the buffet of opportunity ahead of him in Gotham City. And if it works, if the trajectory is interesting and the audience goes for it, and we do our jobs right, the second Penguin feature will pick up where the HBO show will end. This is great because I weren't the early reports an origin story? Like, that's what they said? No, I remember when we talked about it, they said it's going to take place as soon as that show ended. I feel like I remember reading stories where the story said that it would be, well, maybe I just misconstrued the idea of his rise to power, of this that's being his rise to power as opposed to before that. Yeah, I think we may, I I think I'm pretty sure we talked about how he just saw Gotham and he's like I'm going to take this for myself. No, no, I I remember talking about that, but I always I always thought the TV show from what I read, maybe just the wording threw me off that it was going to be like how he rose to that power that we saw in the Batman. Yeah. That's what I thought it was going to be. So this sounds really interesting and also it's cool to be able to fill in the gap whereas I'm sure in the Batman it could waste up it could chew up a lot of scenery and a lot of time in the Batman part two if, if they're doing Penguin's Rise, but it would be stronger if he's already in power when the Batman part two starts, and it'll be cool to see how he rose to power. I think this is a really smart idea by WB and by Matt Reeves and, and the producers of this show to fill in the gap. That way they can do this storyline, which I'm sure they have a lot of cool ideas for, and they can just really stretch it out and dive into it and chew on it and craft a really cool story for eight episodes as opposed to it being like four scenes in the Batman part two. So I'm all aboard for this. This sounds really cool. Sounds awesome. And also there's a lot of questions now floating around. Will Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne Batman be in this series, make a cameo? Personally, I don't want to see Batman in a TV show. I don't want Robert Pattinson. I don't think he, I don't think he's going to 
ever do TV. I don't think he's that kind of actor. But I think that if if they kind of put Batman in the show at some point, even for like a cameo, it kind of dilutes the Batman to the movie itself. It, it takes away from the film, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm sure. I agree. I don't want to see Batman in it. I think it'll be cool. Obviously, they'll be he'll be mentioned and the uh, criminals obviously will be aware of the Batman. But I think it would be best if we don't see Batman. We want to, we, we want to, less is more in a lot of cases. And I think that's an instance where the less Batman we see, the better, the more impactful he is when he shows up. So just being in them films. I concur. Next up, Gladiator 2, which obviously just cast its lead role, is set to come out in fall of 2024. They are really like about to start filming, I would guess, if it's going to come out that soon. So in less than two years, it'll be out. We'll have a new Gladiator film. That's pretty wild. Ridley Scott, that man shoots fast. Man, that's crazy. Can't wait to see Paul Mescal as the lead role as yeah. Lucius. Yeah. Grown they, up. They must be filming very soon. They have to be. Very cool. Now, let's get into some Mandalorian news. So Mandalorian Season 3 premieres, what is it, March 1st on Disney+. Plus. Now, Academy Award winner Ludwig Gornson, who did the music for the first two seasons, incredible job, one of the best young composers out there right now, he is not scoring the third season of The Mandalorian because he wanted to totally focus on Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer, which I love hearing this news, although I love The Mandalorian scores and the, the environments and sounds he creates in all of his projects, but especially with The Mandalorian, kind of sounds so similar to Creed, but creating all these sound effects and instruments and making it feel kind of like what Hans Zimmer did with Dune with futuristic tones and instruments and, and these sounds. Bringing that to just a TV series was so impressive, but I would rather him work on Oppenheimer full-time. It's also nice to know that he's not stretching himself thin it, because TV scoring, it's a lot. I mean, you're talking about several hours of footage to score to. The so, first two seasons, so much yeah. music. And so he's he's... I think it's smart for him to not wear himself out and not to compromise what he's doing on one project just because he want he, he should he should do another project. You know what I mean? I think it's smart of him to just be like, as an artist, I need to focus solely on something that I'm on right now and put everything into that rather than, hey, I'll give this one 80% and that one 80% to just get them both done. So I think it's smart. Uh, you definitely want to hear that from an artist like that to be able to be like, I'm going to commit fully to this project and that's my thing. Then I'm going to... Plus, Chris Nolan or Disney. Come on. Chris, well, it, Chris he Nolan. Must, he must think that it's a, it's a really special thing to really just completely invest in it. But I, there's that sounds like a great thing to hear from, from a composer. Well, I'm, I'm assuming that Oppenheimer is obviously going to have a long runtime. I can even see that probably going over two and a half hours, possibly. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, it's Nolan's yeah. longest film. And obviously, Nolan loves having music constantly throughout his movies for a large portion of them. So there's probably a ton of music that Ludwig's creating for the film. And probably half of it won't even make it in, but he still is creating so much music for this film. I can't wait to hear what he comes up with. So... I'm assuming that the workload's just immense for Oppenheimer. Oh, absolutely. Next up, Tom Hardy has been announced in a new film about where he'll be playing a serial killer. This will come out on Apple TV. It'll be called Lazarus, and his co-star, Zazie Beetz, will be the co-lead. So this is supposed to be kind of like a Hannibal Lecter, Clarice Starling kind of relationship where Tom Hardy plays a serial killer who's locked up in a asylum, and then Zazie Beetz will play the investigating officer who's going to infiltrate the 
the hospital to try and get close to him and learn more about his murders. Has he ever played a serial killer before? Hardy, I can't think of him playing a, a serial killer. He's played murderers plenty of times, but I'm trying to wonder if, if he's actually played a serial killer before, which, which would be really interesting because he's like one of those actors that's like a no-brainer pick to be a serial killer in he a He probably project. has avoided it for a good reason. But that's really cool. Yeah. I, I'm excited to see him in it because we're huge Tom Hardy fans playing a serial killer. Hopefully they can do something unique with it and not being too much like Silence of the Lambs with that relationship. I will say this sounds a lot like the other Apple TV show Birdhouse yeah. with Taron Edgerton. And it sounds like kind of the same exact thing. That's based on a true story, though. Yes, yeah. Which is what's really interesting about that. But, I mean, it's the same setup. That's what I would, I would say, like, to have shows come out back-to-back. Back, well, that's a little different because first they come and, like, ask his opinion about stuff, and then they bring him in undercover. Yeah. So that's a little different where he's, like, leaving prison for an, a deal to go undercover. He's not a, a cop. In a he's different not a prison. Cop. So, yeah. yeah, so he's not a serial killer. But it's still someone going undercover to invest to, to, to get close to a serial killer. True, yeah. So he's getting moved from a different prison to go yeah. undercover to get information. So that's a little different. So I, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just find it odd that Apple greenlit both those projects so close to one another because they don't have that many things on their on their app. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we talked about that last week, how they have seven things to watch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on a little bit. Uh, how about this news from Idris Elba? So actor Idris Elba plans to open a film studio in Tanzania after holding talks with President Samia Saluhu Hassan, according to a presidential aide. This is going to be an attempt for him to boost the Swahili film industry, which is really, really freaking cool. This is some king shit right here. So Tanzania, if you don't know or you're unfamiliar with, is an East African country known for its vast wilderness areas. They include the plains of a Serengeti National Park, a safari mecca populated by the Big Five game, elephant, lion, leopard, buffalo, and rhino, and Kilimanjaro National Park, home to Africa's highest mountain, offshore lie the tropical lands of Zanzibar with the Arabic influences and mafia with a marine park home to whale sharks and coral reefs. So this seems like an incredible opportunity to boost that industry out there in Tanzania. Actor Idris Elba is a cool freaking guy to be doing this to investing a lot of, I'm sure, his own money in into time, opening yeah. this studio there to try to boost this industry, which sounds so interesting. Imagine the kinds of stories they could tell out there with this incredible landscape and wildlife. That's awesome. Next up, there's a cool trailer for The Covenant. This is a Guy Ritchie film starring Jake Gyllenhaal. He plays a soldier with amnesia and a massive debt to pay in the new trailer. It looks awesome. It's cool to see Jake back in a military drama. And the action in drama, high stakes, and emotional core of it looks like it really delivers. And it's a terrific trailer. I can't wait to see this film later this year. And Guy Ritchie, I don't care what anyone says. This guy has <laughs> still been killing it. I made a tweet after I heard about this news and I, I posted four photos from four of his five movies in the last seven, eight years. So mm -hmm. I posted a photo from Wrath of Man, which I love, The Gentleman, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, which I think is really underrated. I actually enjoy I know a lot of people actually hate that movie. And The Man from U.N.C.L.E. This guy, I know not a lot of people like his Aladdin live-action movie, but Guy Ritchie is still here. He's still been killing it. He makes a movie every two, three years, and they're always really solid enjoyable great action flicks a bunch of dudes shooting guns and stuff so even aladdin was pretty good i love guy ritchie yeah. and everyone kind of like doesn't no one talks about him anymore he just he makes all these movies but like no one ever really brings them up in the zeitgeist but he's still i think he's still really relevant and still terrific filmmaker the gentleman was awesome dude I also wrath of man yeah, I've, wrath I, of man's good sec, it's even yeah. better on a second viewing that movie yeah, absolutely 
But I, I love the guy. So that's awesome news. Him and Jake pairing up. Hell yeah. Sign me the hell up. Yeah. Next up, we have a new film announcement, which is kind of, I mean, I'm not sure how I've, like, we'll talk about it. So there's a film that just got greenlit called Nobody Nothing Nowhere. So this is a sci-fi comedy starring Octavia Spencer, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Lucy Liu. And this has just been announced. This was a project that was put on the 2008 black, 2018 Blacklist and was written and financed through the Sundance Screenwriters Lab. So I'm not sure if this is obvious. I'm not sure if this is a ripoff of everything ever all at once seeing that it was written in 2018, but I mean, I'm not sure if maybe they changed the title to capitalize on everything everywhere all at once because nobody, nothing, and nowhere, it's a little too reminiscent, but I mean, it could be its own thing, but it could be a coincidence. My guess is that sometimes studios, they'll put things, they'll green light projects that they've been sitting on because something else is hot. And so like, there's this great David Fincher quote where he was talking about it had just come out and had a huge weekend. And then he said, he was at a Q&A and he said, every studio exec made a phone call and was like, do we have anything with the clown? <laughs> <laughs> so when something gets hot, studios will try to like, do we have anything in our library of shelved projects that we can just green light to catch this, to get on this? That's my guess with this project for the title and probably what the sci-fi comedy is. I'm guessing that some that someone's had this and then they were like, let's greenlight this project because like everything everywhere all at once is so hot. That's my guess. So I'm. it's possible that the title was never changed. This was the original title. Mm-hmm. And it's possible that they could have similar concepts. Maybe there's interdimensional travel in this as well. And that's kind of alluding to the title as well with yeah. nobody, nothing, nowhere. Yeah. So it's kind of odd but i think that's obviously the case where they're like how do we have any other projects like this movie and then they maybe yeah. they ran across this title it's it's like rocky when yeah, apollo exactly. creed's picking his next opponent he's like the italian stallion apollo creed versus the italian stallion exactly. i that's love it, it. that's yeah. kind of what it feels like yeah that's what i but think but maybe it's a really great script that is finally getting an opportunity to get funding which is terrific as well for the the filmmakers Rachel Walther and Alex Fisher, who are going to direct this and wrote the screenplay. So, congratulations to them to get funding. I can't wait. I'm, I'm I'm curious to learn more about this project. Yeah. But if they got funding because of everything everywhere all at once, I mean, you got to do it how you, it happens. So that's awesome. Congratulations. So we're not saying it's a negative thing, but I'm, it's just curious, especially with that title. Curious. Curious. <laughs> I'm curious. It makes you so curious. All right, next up, we have some news from Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Bad Boys 4 is officially happening. It'll be directed you by... You asked for it. <laughs> you all asked for it. It'll be directed by Adil El Arbi and Balil Fala, who were the, they made the directors of, yeah. of Batgirl. And so they're... They bo- made Bad Boys 3. Yeah, okay, so they, yeah. Made, made, by, they made Bad Boys 3 in the latest film. Batgirl was just destroyed from all existence before... Uh, almost completion so it's unfortunate their movie was just ended even though they had finished and wrapped and almost were done post-production but it's cool to see them getting another project almost immediately congrats guys next up (laughs) mike lowry mike lowry next up some more m night Shyamalan news he took uh kind of uh he kind of went after rotten tomatoes and now M Night, he I think that he's a really talented director, but he has had some misses for sure. But he's made some really interesting films. You can't deny that. 
So he said, it's fascinating when we talk about the kind of appetite of Hollywood has now and how Hollywood represents a kind of systemization of art now, which didn't exist back then. Now there's a kind of group forum of what one perceives art to be, like Rotten Tomatoes, where it's perceived that, so 200 people will say this about a film, and then the audience walks in having that aggregate reaction. At least that's what you're seeing nowadays. The system is even making decisions based on that. So think back to 1998, 1999, it wasn't quite that way. We were still an original movie industry, and so things would have mo- so things would have that would move decisions to make movies were are they impactful? Is the story something we've never seen before? Those were the real metrics. So what he's saying is that, and I I I definitely agree with some. We of what, talk about this all the time. Yeah, how you know aggregating a score to a movie that influences people. Like people, it will influence whether someone sees a movie or not. If it's Rotten Tomato score is too low, or if it's Rotten Tomato score is high, it also influences people. And also, it's like giving people like a metric to be like, kind of like groupthink, where oh, if this movie's said to be amazing, I'm gonna walk into it thinking it's gonna be amazing, or if if it's said that this movie is bad, I'm gonna walk into this movie thinking it's bad, and that will that can affect your view of something, rather than watching it without knowing anything about it, just watching a trailer or seeing a poster or liking the filmmaker or actors, completely open-minded, people are walking into movies with like something in the back of their head saying. The rating on this movie is this. And so I, I really agree with him where I think that's negatively affecting audiences. And people are – I think maybe some people are walking to, into a movie already with their mind made up about how to view this movie and how to judge this movie. And it kind of has like a way of like, oh, this movie isn't liked. So maybe people are less likely to open up to a movie if it has a bad Rotten Tomato score. And we bring up Rotten Tomatoes pretty much every time we talk about a film. We'll bring up the IMDb score, Rotten Tomatoes score, Metacritic. But we like to talk about the audience score yeah. of Rotten Tomatoes. But also Rotten Tomatoes, it used to be more of a lax representation of a film. It didn't necessarily mean that this movie's going to be good or bad. And it doesn't mean that at all. And every movie's different. And it's also, you have to understand, We people need to really admit that there is absolutely biased with Rotten Tomatoes scores depending on the movie. A lot of films get ratings that they really don't deserve just because of maybe the kind of movie it is or maybe what's going on in the culture at the time. So movies get representation for positive scores that maybe don't deserve like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, high 80s and 90s, sure. But then when you see movies that are in the rotten and you're like, how is that movie rotten? It was absolutely terrific because critics didn't like that kind of movie because of the kind of movie it was, not whether or not it was a great film experience or not. And it's kind of disappointing that the number one marketing tool for movies that aren't huge IPs right now, that aren't blockbuster films, they're dependent on that Rotten Tomatoes score. And even they'll show in the trailers and the marketing, Rotten Tomatoes fresh at yeah. 87%. It's like, it's it's sad that that's a really important factor for whether or not people are going to see a movie. Usually we don't really care about Rotten Tomatoes scores. When we see a film, we're, we care more about who made the movie? Who wrote the movie? Who's starring in it? Does what, the trailer look interesting? Yeah. It? yeah, so I care more about that stuff than Rotten Tomatoes because there are plenty of movies that have low Rotten Tomatoes scores that I think are fantastic and vice versa. There are movies that I think are very subpar that have immense, immensely high Rotten Tomatoes scores and that shocks me as well. So Rotten Tomatoes is just kind of just taken over the industry and it's really well put by M. Night here 
where it's a controlled art form and perception of a systemized yeah, art. Yeah. What's a perception of what high art is or what a, a great film is yeah. because of a, a website's rating. And I'm afraid that it influences people's minds before they walk into a film. Absolutely. And we're seeing that happen a lot with IMDb now with, with fresh projects that are coming out, usually big IPs where it's just crazy reviewing from either ones or tens. Ones or tens. It's all these movies and TV shows get for 90% of their ratings are one or a 10. And it's it's this review bombing on both ends of the spectrum where it's kind of impossible to gauge what some new projects really are in terms of a rating. Is there a 10 movie or or TV series out there? Yeah, they happen sometimes, but not there, there aren't. Uh, 50 projects a year that are either a 10 or a 1. There's almost nothing that's a 1. There's yeah. almost nothing that's a 10. But we're only getting 10s and 1s on, on on IMDb, and we're getting these. You, what should be the most popular rating is a 7 or 8 for anything that's like a, around that score. Like 7 and 8 should be the most popular. But for some reason, the last two years, 1s and 10s. It's like a battleground. Yeah. It's really odd how IMDb user ratings and now Rotten Tomatoes is a battleground for the perception of what the highest form of the craft of movies in storytelling is and what defines a good movie. Yeah, it's really odd. So I think he has a lot of good points there. All right, last bit of news. There's a great film, I'm not sure if everyone saw it, called Triangle of Sadness. So good! Got, Watch yeah, it ASAP! It's one of my favorite films of the year. You just watched it the other day and you really liked it as well. It's a terrific film. And there's one of the characters is a male model and they have this great opening of the film depicting how immoral and really fucked up the fashion industry is and how it treats other people as more like cattle than human beings it was so well done and ashton kutcher who started out as a male model said that the depiction of male modeling modeling in triangle of sadness is terrifyingly accurate i don't want to describe the scene because i i want everyone to watch this movie open-minded without knowing anything about it but it, i I have experience in the fashion industry, and I can tell you when I watched that scene, I was like, that's exactly what it's like, and it's it's a messed up industry. It's such a good movie. Yeah. It's so clever and hysterical. It's brilliant. I can't rec recommend it enough. It was yeah. excellent. I wouldn't even be surprised if it wins Best Picture. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it won Best Screenplay. It, as, it, I as think sleeper. it might. I think it's a sleeper. It is a terrific script. Yeah. It's so well written. Yeah, it's, I, I really liked it. I, I, I wish more people saw it. It's operating it's really, on so many different yeah. levels. There's like three immensely different acts and chapters an amazing social cues and uh, dissection of social class in the culture and oh my god it was so like welcome. ron tomato score this is in like the 70s and after i saw it's the, in the movie, 70s? yeah i'm like oh are you freaking kidding me but then i watched him like oh now i know why critics didn't like it and yeah. that's what that's where it's weird with ron tomatoes you watch a brilliant movie like that and it's like why aren't critics giving this a higher score and you understand it's because the content that's being talked about in the film yeah. people don't like these hot button, hot topics. button stuff yeah even yeah. if it's controversial if something's controversial it'll um, automatically get like a rotten score yeah yeah it's odd i really like the film it's one of my favorites of the year check it off if you haven't seen it triangle of sadness and that wraps movie news number wow. 85. So in case you haven't been tuning into the show the last few days, yesterday we dropped a preview of the video game Hogwarts Legacy, which you all know we're going to play. Now we're going to start incorporating like more video game stuff into the show. So every Saturday, I think, look for video game content from us on audio platforms only. Just breaking down, I'm playing The Last of Us, Anthony's doing Valhalla Rises, Red Dead Redemption. So a lot of our fans and, and followers and friends have really pushed us to get into gaming more. And we're kind of understanding how cool games have become now with our ps5 it's really terrific and the storytelling is really fascinating especially the last of us it's incredible narrative it's like a movie so it's it's so fun to get into that so we'll be dabbling in video game reviews just on saturdays just just to add something new to the show and a little spice flavor up. you know we've been trying to change things up a little bit here and there 
and we'll be previewing that. We're obviously getting the game on the 7th, so can't wait to check that out. And be sure to listen to our Pulp Fiction episode from Thursday. It's almost three hours long, and it's, I think, one of the best episodes we've ever done. You don't want to miss that one. It's terrific, and we gave everyone like an extra day. We didn't post anything on Friday, so you can get around to it. And I'm sure you're going to have to get a couple plays to finish it because it's that long of an episode. This week coming up, we're going to also do, obviously, Monday is going to be The Last of Us Episode 4. We'll be watching that tonight. Every Monday right now is going to be Last of Us Episode Reviews. Those have been so fun to do, and I'm ahead of the game, so hopefully I can keep staying ahead with the series in terms of the storyline, which I think I am right now. And then also, Tuesday, we're going to do an episode on... Humanity versus technology, kind of man versus machine, humanity versus AI in films, the thematic elements and our favorite films and the best movies depicting that. As well as Thursday, I think we might do Blade Runner versus Blade Runner 2049 finally. Oh, that's a good idea. I think we might possibly do that. If that's not, do something else really cool. Yeah, you you just brought that up on me. It's I'm, on the calendar, I'm, kid. Oh, is it? It's on the calendar. Oh, yeah. yeah. I guess it's there. I guess so we're, we're going to do it then. We're just going to keep doing sick-ass movies. <laughs> nothing but bangers nothing but bangers guys but thanks so much for tuning in and obviously we'll see Ant-Man soon we'll see Knock at the Cabin soon we'll do episodes on that this month in February for sure hope you're all having a great weekend hope you have a great start to your day tomorrow on Monday and you'll hear from us on the platforms and, and listening and watching us see you next time Raiders of the Lost podcast is a mirror image production sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler opening music by Chase Jackson Thank you for watching Raiders of the Lost podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, hit the like button as well. Notifications for sure. Listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out this other content we have on our YouTube channel.